Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. One fall sport left, and that is football. As every other fall sport has wrapped up its season. Last weekend, we had the boys' soccer state championships, boys' and girls' volleyball state championships, which again means that football is the only one left. Heading into level four this week for the 11-player football state championship time for eight-player football. And that means we're only a week away from two big days at Madison, a great to get back to Camp Randall after missing last year. No state tournament, no state championships last year in high school football, but we are back and we are on track to have a great weekend of football this weekend and a great couple days next weekend as well. And we do want to take a moment to thank our sponsors for the WSN podcast, the Wisconsin Department of Transportation. Help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving. Every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Today on the WSN podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the games coming up this weekend. Just kind of break them down a little bit. Uh, we did that online on our uh, on our site earlier this week. Gave my predictions. And then uh, also, uh, before we get into that, though, I do want to put a little bit of a bow for now, perhaps, on the big story from last week involving the Edgewood High School football team being removed from the playoffs, the uh, appeal that was made, the lawsuit that was filed seeking a temporary injun- injunction, the, uh, the case that was heard in front of the judge on Friday, all of that happened very rapidly. We found out, I think it was Tuesday afternoon, about Edgewood uh, potentially being removed from the playoffs, uh, was tipped off by a, a team that um, was all of a sudden getting a film request from Kewaskum High School because they were going to be playing Columbus instead of Edgewood playing Columbus. Edgewood had defeated Kewaskum, I think it was 44 nothing or 40 to nothing, something like that, in level two. And then all of a sudden, Kewaskum's looking for film because they're still alive. And so that uh, got the wheels in motion. And uh, shortly after, we were uh, the, the first ones to report that on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, information did fully come out. They were removed from the brackets, and, and everything happened from there. So, again, want to put a little bit of a bow on on that story on that uh, topic that that quite understandably generated a lot of response, generated a lot of interest. Anytime a team is removed from the playoffs, it is noteworthy. It is newsworthy. The way this happened, the the fact that it was a player that was uh, you know playing in and has played in a fifth year of high school athletics. Um, the fact, quite honestly, that it was a private school um, that. Right or wrong, I'm not making a, a position statement myself, but many people um, have it out for private schools. Let's be honest. Uh, they don't like the private schools. We see it all the time, comments on our uh, our articles on Facebook and conversations that that, uh, that happen of get rid of private schools, go back to WISA, they need their own division, whatever it might be. Again, I don't subscribe to that uh, that idea. People that, that know me, uh, kind of know where I fall on that that spectrum, and, and we'll we'll talk about that topic plenty at different times coming up because the uh, the WI is relaunching their competitive equity ad hoc committee to study this this whole issue. But 
the fact it's a private school really, you know, changes the dynamics a little bit. It, it was interesting because a lot of times in situations like this, where the WIAA has to be the one to say no, the one to step in and enforce the rules, where it 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 hurts teams and players. And, and really, that's what I, I should have opened up with. The, the very first part of this, the most important part of this is nobody wants this. Nobody likes it when it happens. Nobody wants it to happen. Nobody enjoys it happening. That includes everyone. That includes the, the staff at the WIA office. That includes the teams involved. That includes the players that did no wrong and unfortunately get caught up in the situation. Um, 90 5% of the time something like this happens, it's unfortunately the fault of the adults. Um, somewhere along the way, something didn't get handled correctly by an adult, and it ends up impacting the, the young people most significantly who, who lose that opportunity. So that's the first and foremost part of all of this, is it's unfortunate for everybody. It's a lose, 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 lose situation for everybody involved. But ultimately, uh, obviously, there are eligibility rules, there are transfer rules, there are rules around competition in high school sports to try to maintain a level playing field. Those rules do need to be followed, understandably. I, I think everybody understands that. Um, there are times that the rules may not be, uh, you know, you might not like a certain rule, you might not like how it's applied. Um, there might be, you know, uh, waivers or or different things available in certain situations. However, I, I don't think anyone argues that there should not be some kind of rules. So, uh, you know, long and short of it here in, in this situation involving Edgewood High School, um, there was a player that transferred in from Texas that uh, was granted transfer eligibility last uh, late last winter, early in the spring. Um, Edgewood he, he had spent, he was in his seventh semester of high school, or excuse me, eighth semester of high school. He had finished seven complete semesters, transferred into Edgewood from Texas, had spent his first year of high school at Madison West back in 2017-18, um, transferred back to Wisconsin, enrolled at Edgewood. Edgewood enrolled him as a sixth semester junior in their bookkeeping and their records, whatever else, and requested a waiver of the uh, transfer rule, which would have made him sit out athletic competition for one year. Um, submitted that, that information paperwork to the WIAA, which there are several hundred, if not a thousand of those waivers submitted to the WIAA every year when someone moves. Um, even if your family just has a, a full regular family move, you go from one town to another, one school to another, you have to have a waiver depending on when that, that move occurs. Um, so the, the Edgewood administration submitted a waiver of the transfer rule. It was granted by the WIAA. Um, in hindsight, looking back at it, there was some complete some, some information that was uh, incomplete as part of that waiver, but it was still granted. Edgewood thought that they were then granted of, uh, availability for that player to continue to play athletics beyond the 21 uh, spring calendar, spring season. Uh, so this is actually his fifth year of high school, his fifth year competing in high school athletics now that we're in right now. He played as part of the Edgewood football team, was a significant contributor to them. Their second leading receiver, I want to say he was maybe the third leading rusher. I think he's uh, started or played on defense as well. A solid athlete that 
um, you know, was receiving some college attention, went on some visits, uh, even to Division I schools. So a good player, certainly, that, that helped them. Edgewood went undefeated in the uh, regular season. They were undefeated through Level 2. And then at some point after Level 2, the WIA received a, a tip. Uh, they indicated it was an anonymous tip that this player uh, perhaps should not have been eligible. And as they reviewed their records, they determined that uh, that player was granted a waiver of the transfer rule, which would allow him to compete immediately in athletics, but that Edgewood did not request and the WIA did not grant a fifth year of eligibility. Um, Edgewood, in some of the initial statements uh, that they, they made and released, um, kind of disputing uh, this the, the process, indicated that they felt that uh, that he should be eligible and that they had put some some language in the transfer request related to 2021 and beyond. Um, but ultimately, there is a different process, a different form, and a different threshold as well. This is probably the biggest key here. There's a different threshold for the WIAA to grant a waiver of the transfer rule. There's a different threshold, different process, for granting a waiver of the fifth year rule, which is actually eight semesters, but uh, for for sake of clarity or, or uh, ease of understanding, we'll call it a fifth year. Um, so again, long story short, he's in his fifth year playing athletics, fifth year of high school, and uh, the WI deemed him ineligible, which meant that every game that he played in this year, Edgewood should forfeit. Uh, which meant every regular season game had to be forfeited. Now, he did not play in the level one playoff game. He was injured and did not play in that one. Uh, but he did play in level two, a limited amount in level two when they beat Kiwaskum. So even if he had not played at all in level one or level two, because of Edgewood having to forfeit all of the regular season games, technically they should not have even been in the playoffs. And so for all of those reasons, the WI deemed him ineligible, and removed Edgewood from the playoffs, reinstating Kiwaskum as their last defeated opponent into the postseason, back into the bracket to play Columbus. That game got scheduled for Saturday. Edgewood appealed that decision, which technically, according to WI bylaws, you cannot appeal removal of a, uh, a team from the playoffs, um, but they appealed the regular season part of it, um, got denied by the Board of Control, and Edgewood filed a, uh, a lawsuit seeking a temporary injunction that would have allowed Edgewood to be reinstated to the playoffs to play their playoff football game and continue on um, until a, a lawsuit in a full case could be heard, which could be weeks and, and more likely months. Um, we've seen it happen before, unfortunately. The teams have gotten removed from the playoffs. It happens every couple years in some sport or another, it's just not necessarily a high-profile sport like football. A couple years ago, uh, the Madis, or excuse me, the Middleton boys hockey team got removed from the playoffs. I think it was 2019 due to use of an ineligible player. Uh, a few years before that, the Westosha Central volley, uh, girls volleyball team. Going back even farther, there's been other examples um, in football. Most recently, I think it was 2007, Kettle Moraine Lutheran had to forfeit before they played their first playoff game, but after the brackets had already come out. 2002, I think it was, the Holman football team got removed for use of an ineligible player. 
at the state semifinal level. Uh, there's been baseball teams that got removed. In fact, uh, a few years ago, it was around 2014 time, Kenosha St. Joseph lost to Racine St. Catharines in a regional game. St. Catharines had to forfeit because of a uh, in, an ineligible player. Kenosha St. Joe's got reinstated to the bracket and went all the way to win a state title after they had initially lost. And there's been other examples of, of teams having to get removed from the playoffs as well. So it's it's not uh, completely uncommon or you know never occurred before, um, but it does. Uh, it's it's every couple of years it happens. Um, in the past, oh, in, in another uh, very pertinent example is uh, Xavier. Uh, uh, close to eight or ten years ago now, got removed from the tournament bracket for use of an ineligible player when that player participated in a CYO league game, which violated his uh, his eligibility. And they got removed from the playoffs. Xavier, like Edgewood, did file a, uh, a motion for a temporary injunction and, and filed a lawsuit. The WI came out on top of that one. Um, another very uh, pertinent example is 2019 when Burlington's Hayden Halter in the individual wrestling tournament was disqualified um, from a sectional meet, I believe it was, sectional wrestling, and uh, filed a lawsuit. Judge let him back in, pending uh, you know the the full uh, hearing of the trial. He went all the way, won a state title, got booed along the way. It was uh, in in the newspapers for sure. Um, but ultimately, I think it was this summer the case was finally settled, and it was ruled that he should have been that the WI acted pr- uh, correctly in uh, ruling him ineligible, and he actually had his uh, state title stripped. Go all the way back to 1982, Milwaukee, Milwaukee Madison boys basketball team won a state title. Uh, a month or two later, it was determined they used ineligible players and their title got stripped as well. So again, all of this involving teams being removed from the playoffs is not new, not uncommon, but it certainly did strike a chord with this situation with Edgewood. Uh, they were very public in the statements that they made in, in supporting their case, their player, their team. Understandably, they were undefeated, uh, a contender to get to Madison, um, but ultimately, you know, ruled that uh, that they had used an ineligible player. And uh, the lawsuit, uh, excuse me, the hearing w- uh, took place Friday. Um, the judge, you know, I, I'm not a trained legal observer, but just watching the way the judge uh, asked questions and handled things. I just, I, I got the feeling that it was not going to turn out well for, for Edgewood and that it would go the way of the WIAA is the, the feeling I got as, as things went along on Friday. And sure enough, the judge did rule that uh, Edgewood act, or excuse me, that uh, the WIA acted within the scope of its, uh, its powers and that it was appropriate that Edgewood uh, was removed, that the Edgewood player was ineligible that it was, uh, you know, he, it, it, it came out essentially that, that Edgewood did not request a fifth-year waiver and, and did not think they had to because of the way they were enrolling him. But they should have. They didn't. They weren't granted uh, that fifth-year of eligibility, and as a result, the player was ineligible, and um, Edgewood's... Out of the playoffs, uh, Columbus then played Kiwaskam on Saturday. Columbus won handily and moved on, and 
it'll be interesting to see if, if this case continues. The, again, the temporary injunction was not, uh, was not afforded, but it'll be interesting to see if Edgewood continues on with the lawsuit against the WIAA for, for a number of reasons that, that they could potentially continue on. Number one, to set a precedent uh, involving this situation. Number two, potentially to, to have his eligibility restored for upcoming seasons. I think the plan was for him to play basketball and he was an outstanding track athlete. He, uh, I think he was on the podium in an event, at least one event at the track meet this spring. So there's, there's that part of it um, to get the, the wins restored to, you know, have their name cleared, if you will, to some extent, um, are, are all reasons that Edgewood could continue with the lawsuit, lawsuit even though the, the part of it that would get them back in the playoffs is done and not going to happen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Edgewood does continue with that lawsuit and how long that will take and where it will go. Um, it's not always, uh, you know, it's not always the case that those kinds of things go in favor of the WIAA. In fact, I think the last four or five times that the WIAA had been sued, um, that a temporary injunction had been issued. Now, they didn't uh, you know, always go on to lose those cases. Again, going back to the Halter situation, the judge granted the temporary injunction, but then in the actual trial that was held several years later, the WIAA uh, won. But... Uh, you know, hopefully we can we can move forward from here. I, I don't think it will leave a significant stain on on the the playoffs this year. I hope it doesn't. You know, Edgewood, uh, you know, would have had a tough task with Columbus first of all, and even if Edgewood won, you know, they were going to run into a Catholic Memorial team that that most everyone felt was the best team in Division Four by far. A lot of people felt Edgewood might be the team to give Catholic Memorial their best run, but now we we won't know. So. Uh, a little bit of a bow, a little bit more insight on that situation for maybe those that did not get a chance to watch the trial um, or the the hearing on uh, on last Friday. Really, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a big full trial. It was uh, Dr. Wade Lebecki, former deputy director of the WI. He he testified um, as the person that handled that case, and uh, there was a number of affidavits filed as well. But uh, and then also Chris Wetler the Edgewood AD, longtime athletic director at Madison Edgewood, uh, boys basketball coach as well. He testified um, and provided information and, you know, is, is the one that kind of indicated, yeah, we, we did not file a fifth year waiver because we, we didn't think we had to. So, and then the judge made his ruling Friday afternoon and we got on with the business of high school football. Speaking of high school football, man, it was a great, uh, great week last week. I got a chance uh, to head up 250 some miles, about four and a half hours up Highway 51 to Hurley. Outstanding hospitality there. Big thanks to uh, the, the entire Hurley community um, welcoming us and, and putting on a great, uh, great host uh, you know, performance. Um, the, the touchdown or uh, the, the booster club, the quarterback club, um, athletic director Steve Lombardo, Scott Erickson, the head coach there, everybody. Uh, you know, very welcoming, very accommodating. Great to be up there, uh, a place that I've visited, not for football, but, uh, you know, it was fun to, fun to go up there. We made a, a slight detour, the, you know, the one block over into, uh, into Ironwood, Michigan, got a, a, a pasty, or is it pasty? Pasty? I think it's pasty. Um, a UP tradition, um, and just got some good hospitality from the Hurley folks. Unfortunately, 
Coleman was not such a kind visitor as the Coleman Cougars came in and uh, and handled Hurley pretty well. 36-6, to Coleman won. Um, as I said on, on Twitter and, and in our write-up, you know, Col- Hurley was bigger than Coleman. Hurley had Coleman outsized, but Coleman had Hurley out-leveraged all along the line, all along, uh, you know, the, the front, um, in part due to that strong wrestling background at Coleman. And uh, Coleman had some some better athletes on the outside and in the backfield as well. So Coleman was impressive, 36-6 to over Hurley. Both those teams were undefeated. So Coleman's, uh, you know, reward for beating two undefeated teams in a row, they hammered Pacelli uh, two weeks ago. Then they beat Hurley. Now they get undefeated, top-ranked, Heavily favored Regis, a third straight unbeaten team for the Cougars. That's going to be a great matchup in uh, Division 7 in Level 4. And we do want to take a moment to thank our sponsors for the WSN podcast, the Wisconsin Department of Transportation. Help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. So let's get to talking about some of these um, games in level four and some of the things that we're looking forward to. Obviously, when you when you get to this point, you know, everybody is uh, has earned their way there. Everybody deserves to be there. And everybody has uh, has done some pretty good things along the way. Let's start an eight player, though. That that game Again, is the state championship game this week for eight-player football. It's Newman Catholic and Luck. One that we've seen before. In fact, it was the state championship game back in 2019. Back then, Luck beat Newman Catholic. Um, uh, Levi Jensen, for, for Luck at the time, had over 400 yards rushing, and uh, Luck jumped out early, won. It's another Jensen that does a lot of the lifting now for the Luck Cardinals. Wyatt, who was a contributor on that that state title team in 2019, Wyatt averages, uh, or he's got over 2,400 rushing yards this year. Kind of an interesting uh, contrast in styles. Once again, Luck loves to run the football. They, they might not even throw it over and over and over with their kind of spinner back, single wing-ish type modified eight-player offense that they run. Newman Catholic, on the other hand, one of the uh, most prolific passing teams in the state. In fact, this year did lead the state in passing. Since they joined eight-player football, um, you know, have been tops or near the top in the state in passing every year. So going to be a good one there. Um, I picked Luck to win in that one. That game is Saturday, 1 p.m. at Wisconsin Rapids. I'll be there uh, along with several other, uh, other uh, WFCA representatives to, uh, to take in that one. Uh, so that's eight player on Saturday. Division seven, we've got Regis and Coleman. Talked about that one a little bit. That game is at DC Everest. And also Cashton and Reedsville. That game is at Ripon at Ingalls Field in Ripon. Cashton got past Bangor last week, a big win, or, or excuse me, two weeks ago, big win for the Eagles. And then last week beat Potosi Cassville. Reedsville uh, took care of Blackhawk Warren on Saturday. Got a chance to see Reedsville earlier this year, and Brennan Dvorak, I tell you, he is a really impressive player, regardless of, of level, but especially in Division 7. Plays quarterback for them, but runs the football more than he passes it. Outstanding athlete. He's a state champion hurdler, and you can see why. When he gets in the open field, it's over. Nobody's going to catch him there. Division 6, Durand and Colby. Colby's, excuse me, I, I think 
one of the favorites in D6, certainly coming into the postseason with Regis dropping down in a good game with Durand. Durand only loss is to Regis. Simon Bowers, the leading rusher in the state there, taking on the uh, the Colby Hornets in the uh, the Jeskies. Andrew, Brent, uh, strong uh, strong foundation for the Colby Hornets. Other game in Division Six is a rematch that we saw earlier this year. Darlington and St. Mary Springs. The first time around, St. Mary Springs won. I believe it was 20-3 to in that one. Early season, back in Week 2. Uh, both teams certainly have improved since then. Darlington's kind of recommitted to the, uh, to the running game. And uh, looking looking very good in St. Mary Springs. They've kind of recovered from some some early struggles. They lost week one to Lake Country Lutheran, rallied to defeat Darlington, and then lost their first conference game of the year against Mayville. But they've rattled off, what is it, nine straight wins since that time and looked really impressive in doing so. So Bob Highland, you know, here he is, another deep playoff run. I think this would be state title 18 he's going to, I want to say. Uh, going four, excuse me. Division five, you've got Aquinas and Wittenberg-Burnhamwood. Wittenberg-Burnhamwood knocked off Amherst last week. A really exciting game. Listened to parts of that on the way home from Hurley last uh, last week. And Aquinas, I tell you, they were a, a, a very, very good team all year. Undefeated, champions of the Cooley. I think there was a little bit of a question about Aquinas and whether they could continue you know, to be successful late in the playoffs because they did rely very heavily on the passing game. Jackson Flotmeyer, their outstanding uh, quarterback, um, you know, was was really the driving force for their offense. However, the last couple of weeks in the playoffs, as the weather has turned, as you have to be able to do, you know, running the football, you got to be able to do that deep in the playoffs. They have turned it on, and they have proven that they can run the ball. A couple of weeks ago, they they hammered a, a Stanley Boyd and put up some really impressive numbers uh, on the ground, did the same thing last week. So they're showing that you know they have what it takes to play late-season football. Then you've got Belleville and Mayville in the other game. Both those teams are seeded fifth, so a little bit of a, a Cinderella matchup there. Belleville, very impressive, first beating Marshall a couple weeks ago, uh, an undefeated team coming in. And then last week, another undefeated team that they beat, Broadhead Judah. That game will be at McFarland. Uh, Division 4, you have Ellsworth in Freedom. That game's at Marshfield High School. Ellsworth is unbeaten. They uh, hammered fellow undefeated team Northwestern last week. Freedom has looked very good as well, coming out of a very tough Northeastern Conference. Other game, Columbus and Catholic Memorial. Again, most people assume uh, that Catholic Memorial is the heavy favorite in Division 4. Division three is kind of our upset bracket. You've got Rice Lake and Menasha. That game will be at Rhinelander High School. And then Monroe and Pewaukee at Muskego High School in the other game. Monroe uh, has played one home game. Pewaukee has played three straight games on the road. But Pewaukee has not allowed a point yet in these playoffs. Taking care of a number of these South, or excuse me, uh, Southern Lakes uh, teams, or, or no, excuse me, not uh, not Southern Lakes. That's uh, Kettle Moraine I'm thinking of. But, but Pewaukee, again, has not allowed a point a point this year um, in the playoffs, that is, in four straight shutouts overall, in fact. Monroe hammered Greendale a few weeks ago, one of the more impressive victories of the uh, the playoffs, 42-6. to They beat the Panthers. And Monroe back to playing Monroe football. Three players over 1,100 yards on the ground this year. Just pound and pound and pound and pound. Division two, Wanakee has withstood a couple real tough games the last uh, last couple weeks. Um, 
they had to go to overtime to beat River Falls a couple weeks ago. And then last week had to withstand a, a late run from Menominee and win by one point against Menominee when the Mustangs actually missed an extra point and a field goal in the last uh, few minutes that could have either tied it or, or put them ahead. But Wanakee was able to hold on and win that game. So Wanakee gets Hartford, another one of the kind of Cinderella teams. They've gone on the road the last couple weeks, beat DePier, beat Pulaski, the cardiac kids in, in, uh, in these playoffs uh, for sure. They had a one-point win over Hartford, or excuse me, in over Kaukona in Hartford in level one, a game I was at as part of the quick trip game of the week. They had a one-point win over DePier in overtime in level two and when they stopped a potential game-winning two-point conversion by DePier. They also had a uh, one-score victory over Pulaski last week. So really close games for Hartford. Kettle Moraine is, uh, is a sixth seed. And as I mentioned in our write-up, they are looking to become the first sixth seed since 2013 to make it to a state title game. In fact, just the second overall they are trying to be. The first was Winnicani. Back in 2013, they made it all the way to the state title game and beat Platteville, winning state in Division IV in 2013. So there is precedent for a sixth seed to get all the way to state and win it. And that's what Kettle Moraine is looking to do as they take on Homestead this week. Um, you know, a, a, uh, a great game there. North Shore versus the, uh, the Classic Eight. So, you know, can Kettle Moraine keep that, uh, that Cinderella run alive? I know, I know they wanted to be seeded higher. I've heard from a number of Kettle Moraine fans as a sixth seed. Uh, you know, is what it is. Let's let's line them up and let's play at this point. No, not a lot of reason, if you ask me, to to still be complaining about a seed at this point. Division one, Appleton North finally slayed the Dragon. They took down Kimberly last week. An excellent uh, ball game and an impressive win for Appleton North after being so close for so many years. But they've also been so close for so many years to make it to Madison. Have not been able to do it yet. They've advanced to the state semifinals for the, uh, a, a few times, but have not been able to get over the hump. So can they get it done this year? Well, if they do, they're going to have to take down the Franklin Sabres, the top-ranked team in Division I uh, much of the season in, uh, in our WSN coaches poll. Miles Burkett keeps slinging it for, uh, for the Sabres. They've looked very impressive and a very talented senior class, but also a really good uh, younger group coming up, that sophomore group especially talented. Looking forward to a great game. That one did end up getting scheduled for Titan Stadium. We had to wait a little bit. Uh, the WIA was not sure if Titan Stadium would be available. It depended on the UW Oshkosh uh, women's soccer team, whether they made the NCAA tournament and where they would play. Ultimately, at, uh, Oshkosh did not make it, which opened up Titan Stadium as the traditional uh, host facility for this game. And that's where it'll be Arrowhead, excuse me, uh, Appleton North and Franklin. The other game, McGuanago in Sun Prairie. McGuanago knocked off Muskego last week. Um, Muskego beat McGuanago back in the regular season, the game I was at. Again, a quick trip game of the week uh, game. But in the playoffs, that game was at McGuanago. And McGuanago came out on top, 35 to 14, impressively. Um, and then Sun Prairie, you know, they've they've 
had some tough games in the postseason in, in late in the year. I think maybe a little closer than what we expected. They had to go to overtime to beat Verona in Week 9. Um, you know, it's been a little bit tougher road for Sun Prairie than, than I think maybe we thought. But they're undefeated. They've got loads of talent. As I said in our, our uh, preview this week, it's a little bit of a last dance situation for the Cardinals because next year, the second high school opens in Sun Prairie. It'll be Sun Prairie East and Sun Prairie West. The schools, the football teams, the athletic programs, everything gets split in half. And when that happens, it's going to be very, very difficult to continue that, uh, that run or build back up to, uh, to that run of success. So this is kind of a last, uh, last dance for Sun Prairie. We've seen them at state a couple times. They haven't been able to get the uh, the win, at least in, in, in recent years under head coach Brian Kaminsky. But they've got a chance this year, Sun Prairie and Maguanago. So those are the matchups. Uh, you can find out uh, a lot more information on, on WSN in terms of uh, some of our preview information, my picks on who's going to win, where those games are at. On our schedule page, you can find the streaming link, the video streams. You can find some radio streams as well. Um, so going to be a great day. going to be a great weekend. Uh, by the way, all of the 11-player games are on Friday night. The only game on Saturday is that eight-player state championship game. Every, otherwise, everything else, Friday night, 7 o'clock. Help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. 28 teams remaining in high school football at the 11-player level. Two teams remaining in 8-player. Just... uh, just a handful of games left, really. Uh, 15 games this weekend, seven next week, and then we're done. And then we move on to basketball in winter sports. And speaking of basketball, as you as you have seen, Norbert Durst continuing to crank out conference previews for girls basketball. He will start preseason team rankings uh, for for each division, top 10 or top 15. I can't recall. Very soon on WSN, Mark Miller. Uh, has some great preseason content coming as well. His basketball yearbook has shipped out, uh, so make sure you you check that out. And getting to be that busy time of the year, that crossover time as we wrap up this winter sports season, get going with, uh, or excuse me, wrap up the fall sports season, get going with winter sports. Uh, girls basketball started practice this week. Boys basketball starts next week. The first girls basketball games are just about a week away. So it's here. Winter sports, it's here. Great time of the year, busy time of the year, um, but a good time of the year to be a high school sports fan as well. So that'll do it. We'll uh, we'll check back in next week. We'll have a, a full state tournament preview. In the meantime, you can find all kinds of information on WSN, including the WFCA All-Region teams. All-State will be announced next week. Uh, the winners of our WSN Senior Football Awards will be announced next week. By the way, Sunday we'll start the fan vote that is, uh, that is a part of the... Um, the the senior award process, one-eighth of the voting uh, process for that, along with our committee uh, of uh, staff and media partners. So all kinds of stuff going on. Make sure you check out wisports.net. Make it a daily destination for every high school sports fan. And if you're listening to this podcast, pretty sure you're, you're, you're a frequent visitor of wisports.net. But that'll do it. I am Travis Wilson, general manager at WSN. This has been a WSN podcast. We'll see you at a game.